Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing? Good to see you guys. A couple quick announcements I want to share with you. Um, if maybe you didn't check the Friday email, the weekly church email, um, is two things. One, if you are signed up to be a part of the Philadelphia mission trip, which is happening with Front Step Ministries to work with kids in inner city Philly this August, um, or if you're still interested in being a part of that trip and maybe you hadn't known about it and it's something that has piqued your curiosity, um, Leo is going to be leading us in a, a brief meeting immediately following the service here in the sanctuary. Leo, wave your hand over there so you can meet with Leo right here at the end of service. Um, he's got more updated information on that upcoming trip. The other announcement I have for you guys is if you're interested in ownership class, we talk about this idea of ownership here all the time. We say that members have rights, but owners take responsibility. And you'd like to come to ownership class to learn more about the mission, vision, and core values of our church. We would love for you to be a part of that class. That's going to be meeting in the parlor. If you go out in the foyer and swing a right towards the children's area, it's the first big room on your left. Um, you can meet with me after service. It's going to be about a 45-minute to an hour uh, time together to talk about that and unpack the mission of our church. We'd love to see you as a part of ownership class if you've never done that before. Today, we are in week three of our new series called The Age of Heroes, and we began this series again three weeks ago by saying that God has given each of you the heart of a hero, and that having the heart of a hero means that what God has done is he has put inside of each and every one of us this righteous desire to, to fight for and to stand up for that which is pure and that which is true. And that's kind of what we're going to continue to unpack today in this message called The Passionate Hero. But before we dive in today, let, let's begin first by opening up with a word of prayer. Can we do that? Let's bow our heads and pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray as always that, God, you would give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we're going to hear today. But, God, you would also give us the courage to take action and to do something with it. That we don't want to be a people who you know, just show up to church on a Sunday, sit in some rows for an hour, and then walk out of here unchanged. But God, we want to be able to take your word, to take your truth, to actually apply it into our lives so that we can move from the smaller story of us to the greater story and the greater future that you have planned for us. We love you, Lord God. We, we praise you and we ask you to just do what you will today with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, in this series, we've been focusing a little bit more on our men um, with Father's Day approaching, but I want to reiterate the things that we've been talking about, things we're going to talk about today, certainly applies to all of our women as well, because young or old, married or single, male or female, God has placed in each and every one of us the heart of a hero. But since the focus is on our men in this series, I'm going to begin today with a very deep theological question. When God created man and woman, why do you think God created the man first? Well, the answer is clear, because he wasn't ready to talk about his feelings yet. Just kidding, just kidding. That was a joke. Don't send me an angry email. Okay, no. The, the real way it probably went down was that God created the man, and he looked at his creation, and he said, not bad. Not bad at all but I think I can do better. Amen, women? Yeah. Ladies, I have to say again that you are heroines. You are hero princesses. And the fact that you love the men of this church enough 
that you've been praying for them. Many of you have been praying for them throughout this series. And not only that, some of you have said to me, you've met me in the foyer, you've sent me a message, you've said God's been ministering to me as well through this series. I just want to let you know that you're awesome. I love the women of our church. I love our church. Thank you for that. So heroes, men and women, God has given you certain gifts. He's given each of you certain passions. He's given each of you certain abilities. And he has placed in you this desire to be able to do something greater in this world for him. He's also placed you at this moment in history, a unique creation, like nobody else has, is you and has lived your experience in your life at this moment in history because he wants to fulfill a cause and a purpose for your life. And as we said it, as we began this series, every hero needs that. We need a cause in our life to fight for. And until we know what that is, until we know what it is that we might be willing to die for, we're never going to truly live. And so today we're going to look at three foundational thoughts about the hero and their cause. The first two are kind of negative. They're ways that a hero can drift in the wrong direction. And then the last one is going to be very positive, okay? So the first thought is this, if you're taking notes, number one, we'll put it on the screens as well. The first thought is this, the hero who abandons his cause, the hero who abandons their cause can become weak, can become weak. Some of you may know some weak men. It's a sad thing to see a man who was created by God with the heart of a hero to start to become very weak and passive, the first biblical example of this is actually right in the beginning in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden. God said, hey, Adam, I want to bless you. I want to bless your life. Here is this amazing woman named Eve who's going to be your life partner. And together, I want you to fulfill all the things I'm calling you to do. I want you to fulfill my will. Go out and rule the earth. Multiply. I'm putting you naked in a perfect garden. You're welcome. That was God's message to Adam. And what does he do with that freedom? Well, there was this one tree, if you remember, they weren't supposed to eat from. And all of you guys who've been in church for a while, you probably know the story. You know what happens. What happens, right? Eve commits sin. She buys into the serpent's lie. And Adam was just a poor, innocent bystander, right? Is that the story? No, that's not the story at all. Adam followed right along with her, right along with what I'd call the sin of passivity, the sin of passivity. Why? Because he was called by God to fight for his family, to protect his family, to go to battle for his family, to protect his wife and say, sweetheart, I love you. Step away from the creepy talking stake. I've got a stick to deal with that. Let's not fall for those lies. God has something better for us and our family. But instead, he leaves the sword in the sheath he believes the lie, and the Bible says it this way in Genesis 3, 6. It says this, it says that when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband, who was what, church? With her, and he ate it. The Bible says Eve gave some of the forbidden fruit to this guy, to Adam, okay? who was again, church, where was he? Say it one more time. With her, right. The sin of weakness and passivity. Gentlemen, God created you with the heart of a hero to protect your family. But some of you have become passive 
Some of you have become weak as spiritual leaders in your home. Today, my prayer is that the light of God would shine into your life and you would begin to see that you were not created to sit on the sidelines when it comes to the spirituality of your family. You're not called to be weak and passive. You're called to be a passionate, loving hero, defending your family and the kingdom of God. Now, women, I want to talk to you for a minute. Most women, when given the choice, most women that I know, when given the choice, and I know we're all different, but when given a choice between a passionate, charismatic hero, think Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, Chris Evans as Captain America, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, Chris Pratt as Star-Lord, I could go on and on and on. But if a woman could choose between a charismatic hero like that versus a weak, apathetic, passive, couch potato of a man, think Homer Simpson, most women I know would choose the passionate hero. But then women, sometimes when you get married, you start to notice your spouse isn't perfect. There are no perfect people here, right? And you start to notice some weaknesses in your partner. And sometimes you start to use your giftings to compensate for some of his weaknesses. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, this is why, you know, God put people together in marriage unions. We're able to support one another and protect one another and be able to, to each leverage our gifts and talents and abilities to be able to support one another. That's not a bad thing. Married partners help each other out. The problem can occur when maybe without knowing it, we begin to enable our partner to be passive. And you may think, well, I could do it better. Or you may think, well, he's, he's just not moving fast enough. So instead of helping him to grow, you just kind of step in and take over. And over time, what can happen is he, be, he can become more and more and more passive. And then later, down the line, you start to resent him for it. Women, let me say this as lovingly as I know how. Sometimes, some of you help contribute to the problem. You take over, and then later you criticize. And your words and actions convey something to him. It conveys that you don't believe in him and that you don't believe he's capable. And so many men just give up. Some of the guys right now are thinking, yeah, you tell her, Pastor. She is so mean to me. It is all her fault. <laughs> but guess what, men? If that's your response, that is a very weak and passive response. Where's your personal responsibility, men? Where's your passion? You have the heart of a hero created by God to lead and defend your family. Don't abandon that cause. And see, there are two extreme negative responses, two ways the pendulum can swing in a negative uh, direction when a hero begins to abandon their cause. The first is this, a hero can become very, very passive. They can become very weak and very passive. The second is worse. Number two is this, the hero who abandons his cause becomes abusive. He can become abusive. It may be physical abuse. Man, let me say something very clearly to you this morning. It takes a very, very weak man to abuse a woman or a child. There's other kinds of abuse that can happen too. It's not as visible. There's verbal abuse. There's emotional abuse. Not as visible, but just as destructive. And we can see abusive behavior play out in Scripture in the story of Cain and Abel. Two brothers 
with the purpose of glorifying God, they come and they give an offering to God. And God said that one brother's gift, Cain's, was unacceptable. Why? Because he abandoned his passion to please God. And instead, he adopted the wrong cause, which was jealousy and competition with his brother Abel. And Abel, on the other hand, was pleasing to God because he was focused on the correct thing. His heart and his passion was all about pleasing God. And so he was given favor from God. And what did Cain do as a reaction to that? He got very abusive. Genesis 4.8 says it like this. It says, now Cain said to his brother Abel, hey, let's go out in the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Cain attacked his brother Abel and did what, church? Killed him. Abusive passion. Gentlemen, why is it that some of us become abusive? It's pretty clear to me. We look at our lives and we say, I'm not living the life that I thought I would. The life I'm living at this moment is so far from the life that I truly desire. And since I don't have what I want, it must be someone else's fault. It must be my wife's fault, my kid's fault. It must be my boss who doesn't give me enough opportunities. It must be my parents. And all of a sudden, we take out what's missing in our lives on those we wrongly blame, and we become abusive. Two dangerous extremes. The hero who abandons his cause can become very weak and passive or can become angry and abusive to those around them. So now let's really unpack number three, and there are two parts of this, but now we're going to look at how we really should be living as a hero. Number three says this, the hero with God's cause becomes consumed with passion. The hero who's truly living for God, who's living for God's cause, becomes consumed with passion. God wants us to become consumed with his cause. The Lord Jesus came with a passionate cause. He came with a passion of the love of God, and he brought that to share with the people around him. He brought that for you and for me, and he was willing to die for that cause, to die for us. Therefore, he was completely able to truly live. Why? Because he knew the reason he was here. He said, I have come to bind up the brokenhearted. I have come to proclaim freedom to the captive. I've come to release the prisoners. He said, I know I have an enemy, Satan, who's very real, who comes to kill and steal and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have life to its fullest. Jesus said, I am the gate by which you enter. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you're hungry, I'm the bread of life. If you're thirsty, I'm the living water. If you're tired, I will give you rest. And Jesus would say, this isn't just what I do. This is who I am. This is my purpose. I told you guys a few weeks ago about my passion what caused me and my wife, Julie, to, to take a step out in faith many years ago and plant a church outside of Baltimore. And then we took another step of faith three years ago, and we left everything we were comfortable with, everything we knew for 40 years back in, in Maryland to move our family up to Maine and become your pastor. And I was obedient to God, and I did that because I'm consumed with a passion to connect people who are far from God to the heavenly father who loves them. And I'm willing to do anything short of sin to see lost people get found. 
and help found people take next steps in their walk of faith. I'm consumed with that passion that God has placed on my heart. One time in scripture, when Jesus approached the temple, his father's house, he saw that there were some greedy, evil men who were turning the house of the Lord into a corrupt place of robbery. They were ripping people off in the sale of animals that the people needed for sacrifice at the temple for the forgiveness of their sins. And that's what the ancient Jewish people would do at the temple. And when Jesus saw this, he was so filled with what scripture calls a righteous anger. And he said, this is not gonna happen here. This will not stand. And what did he do? He came with a passion for God and he overturned, he flipped over the tables of these robbers and he drove the evil greedy men out of the temple. And he spoke boldly. He said this in, in John 2.16, he said, how dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Zeal for your house will consume me. He was so passionate that his disciples were taken aback, you know, to their early Bible classes that they had growing up as kids. And they remembered what scripture had prophesied about the Messiah. They were like, well, we remember now. It's written, zeal for your house will consume him. It'll overtake him. The hero who abandons his cause can become weak and passive or angry and abusive, but the hero pursuing God's cause is consumed with God's passion. Jesus wasn't a passive man. He wasn't sitting back saying, gee, I hope somebody does something about those bad men at the temple. Somebody really should take care of that. He didn't do that. And he wasn't abusive. He didn't harm anybody. But what did he do? He drew a line in the sand and he said, no more. Heroes, you have been created by God to have a cause to fight for. And until you find it, until you discover it, you will never truly live. So in our remaining few minutes, what we're gonna do is we're gonna start to kind of seek God and his cause in our life. And I believe that biblically, there are really different, two different levels of this. On the one hand, for every man and every woman, there's what I would call a very specific cause. And Julie talked about this on Mother's Day a few weeks ago, that each of us are a unique creation. In fact, in the history of the world, there has never been someone exactly like you. You're absolutely unique. And this is the reason why you were created. Your uniqueness means that there's very specific mission in your life that God has placed. When you wake up in the morning, there's a passion that maybe fuels you. And I encourage you, if you don't know what that is currently in your life, that should be on the top of your list in your devotional time and in your prayer time to seek out what God is saying to you, to ask God to reveal to you, what is my purpose? What is my passion? What is the thing I can't stop dreaming about God that you've placed in my heart? I've told you guys mine already. There's also what I would call a general cause. And there's two parts to this general cause that God gives us. The first is this, number one, the passionate hero has someone to protect. The passionate hero has someone to protect. As we fight as heroes, we don't fight for no reason at all. We often fight for those that we love. There's something in us that says, I'm called to be a hero in this battle. I'm called to give my life for something greater than just myself. Gentlemen, our call is to lay down our lives, if you're married, 
You should be willing to lay down your life for your bride, just as Christ laid down his life for the church. It is my honor to give my life to protect those that I love. Now, for me, that would be my wife and kids. For you, you might say, hey, it's my parents, it's my grandchildren, it's my close friends. But God has called all of us as heroes to have people in our lives that we would be willing to protect. We, we talked a few weeks ago about the story of Nehemiah and how he inspired the people of Israel. And, and he said to them, if you remember, he said, don't be afraid. Remember who you're fighting for, for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Church family, you have the heart of a hero. Each and every one of us have people in our life that we're called to protect. Again, I'm blessed with my wife, Julie, and my five kids. Our eldest three are girls. If I had all five kids as girls, I would still have been the happiest guy to ever live because my daughters are awesome. They're my hero princesses, and they have me wrapped around their little finger. I will take them to Aroma Joe's or Starbucks whenever they ask me. And then I've got my boys. I've got my 10-year-old hero, Jace, who loves to protect his family. I've got my two-year-old hero, Lincoln, who loves to protect his siblings. When they get hurt, he rubs their boo-boos for them. If I'm play fighting with his older brother, Jace, he comes and jumps on my back from behind to help his brother out. He loves to protect his mama. If I say, I'm gonna get your mom, he says, no, I get you, and he'll come after me. Even at the age of two, he has the heart of a hero. Men, we are called by God to protect someone. And there are three kind of areas of protection that I wanna unpack for you for a little bit. Number one, the hero protects physically. The hero protects physically. Men, God has made us on average, and again, there's differences, I, I get that. But biologically, scientifically, men in general are a little bit bigger. We're a little bit stronger. We have a little bit more muscle. We are called to physically protect our families. When my girls were younger and they would get afraid at night, hero daddy would come to protect them. And the first thing I, I would do is I would close the closet door and I would stick a chair right there, right? Because as every daddy hero knows, if you shut the closet door and barricade it properly, Randall can't get in, right? We all know that from Monsters, Inc. We remember that, amen? Is that true in your house? And then I, I taught my girls another very, very important rule. I taught them that when you're laying in bed, make sure none of your body parts, no hand, no foot, is hanging off the edge of the bed. Because if it is, if someone's hiding under your bed, they can reach up and grab you and pull you under. Some of you won't sleep well tonight. I apologize. I'm sorry. But sometimes in the middle of the night, my kids, especially the younger ones, they hear a noise. And they call out. And what does their hero daddy do? I jump out of bed. I grab a lightsaber from my closet. I run through the house in my tidy whities ready to defend my children. You may think that's gross. It is, it's part of my strategy. It's a shock and awe effect, okay? You startle the intruder. Question, men, how many of you would say this morning, no hesitation whatsoever, I would be willing to die for my family? Raise your hand. Look around the room, look around the room, okay? Women, you can raise your hands too. How many of you would say you'd be willing to die to protect your family, okay? Almost everybody raised a hand right now. 
But men and women, I think there's a more important question than that. And I don't want you to answer this question. I want you to raise your hand, but I want you to process it for a minute. For those of you who just said you would be willing to die to protect the people you love, here's what I think is a more important question. How many of you would be willing to live a life that protects them? How many of you would be willing to live a life that protects them? Because that is much more likely the case than you having to lay down your life. And you know what? That's harder. It's much easier to have a moment of heroic passion where you're willing to take a risk for your family. But it takes a real man of God. It takes a real woman of God. It takes a real hero to have the daily moral courage to protect those that they love by how they live their life and how they model their life to those around them. Number two, the hero doesn't just protect physically, the hero protects spiritually. The hero protects spiritually. Are you a spiritual hero, men? Because you're called to be. Are you protecting your loved one spiritually? Because you're called to. Men, do you have a regular time in God's word? Do you lead your family to church? Are you the one who gets dragged along? Do you pray for the people that you love regularly? Do you pray with them? Do you pray for them? Men, are you spiritually protecting those that you love? Or are you leaving them vulnerable to the enemy's attack, just like Adam did in the garden? Are you pouring God's truth and generosity into their lives through your words and actions, through your example? Or are you just expecting that it's all going to work out for your family in the end? Men, please don't ever come up to me and look me in the eye and say, Pastor AJ, I'm really disappointed that our church isn't doing a better job spiritually raising our kids and students. It is not the church's job. It's your job. It's your job. Hear me clearly. The church's role, our role, is to stand beside you, to partner with you, to support you, to help you in your God-given calling to lead your family for God. But make no mistake, it is your role to protect your family and to nourish them spiritually. Are you willing to live a life that protects them spiritually? Number three, the hero protects emotionally. Now, I, I wish I could, but we cannot always protect the ones we love from outside emotional wounds. That's going to happen. That's part of life. We live in a broken world we experience trauma in our lives. As hard as we try, there are gonna be things outside of our influence that we can't protect the people we love from. But men, we can protect them from the inside wounds that too often we as heroes wind up inflicting on them. Gentlemen, guard the heart of your wife if you're married. Guard the hearts of your children if you have kids. Let them know that one of your main callings in life is to love them unconditionally and to be willing to lay down your life for them. And use your words and your actions, men, to constantly build them up instead of tearing them down. That is something that you have total control over. Men, if you're committing adultery right now, God's gonna expose it. I'm telling you right now, he will expose that you're breaking a covenant that you made before God 
and you're destroying the heart of someone who loves and trusts you. You need to repent of that sin today. And you may say, well, pastor, that's not me. I've never been unfaithful to my spouse. I would never do that. Great. That's great. But there are some of you and you're committing adultery daily in your mind. Jesus said, if you look lustfully at a woman, you've already committed adultery in your mind and heart. You need to repent. Some of you have internet habits. You need to repent. Some of you are cheating on your family. And you're cheating on your family, maybe not even with a person. It's with your job or your sports team or your cell phone or your hobby. Gentlemen, you are called to something greater than that in this life. You're called to protect the heart of those that you love. And I want you guys to know, I'm in the same boat with you. I'm in the same boat with you. I have to check myself all the time because it's so easy for me to get consumed in other things, to not be paying attention to a conversation with my wife or my children because I'm messing with my cell phone or I'm checking my email or I'm consumed with church stuff. And I'm telling you, if God uses my life to save the whole state of Maine and I lose my family, I've failed. I've failed. So that's number one. The passionate hero has someone to protect physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Here's number two, last thing we're going to look at today. Number two, the passionate hero has a kingdom to advance, has a kingdom to advance. This is what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twelve. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. Ladies, here's a, a weird thing about us guys, and I don't know why many of us are like this, but we like to attack. We like to take risks. We like to advance. Scripture says we're kingdom builders. The hero will either build his kingdom or he's going to build God's kingdom. So here's my question. Which one are you building? Which one are you building right now? And there's really not an in-between. You're either building your own kingdom or you're building God's kingdom. And most people today, they're building their own kingdom. More money, more power, more success, more image, newer, bigger, shinier. Look at me on social media. Aren't I important? Aren't I special? A hero will either build their own kingdom or God's kingdom. And if you're building your own kingdom, guess what? You will never find peace. You will never find satisfaction because you were created and called by God as a hero to advance the kingdom of God. Anything else will leave you feeling empty all the days of your life. You might say, well, well how do I do that, pastor? How do I advance God's kingdom? I mean, I'm, I'm an attorney. I work at a government job. I'm in retail. I'm a paramedic. I'm a student. I'm just a middle schooler who mows lawns during the summer. How do I advance the kingdom? Here's how. You're a hero. You are a representative of God in whatever your sphere of influence is. You're an ambassador for the kingdom of God. Leverage your position in life wherever it may be, to shine a light and direct others to Jesus. Mow the best lawn you possibly can if you're a middle schooler mowing lawns. So people would say, wow, you did that? You work like that? That's incredible. How do you do it? And you direct them to God. 
The hero at greatest risk is the one who's focused on the wrong kingdom. They're focused just on themselves. Look at King David, 2 Samuel 11, 1. It says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. But David remained in Jerusalem. Check that out. At the time when the heroes were supposed to go out and be in a war, they're supposed to go out and and be defending the kingdom of God. He was not where he was supposed to be. And he was the king. But he made a wrong choice. He stayed back. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. And because of that, he winds up seeing something he wasn't supposed to see, which would lead to pain and destruction in his life and in the lives of those around him, his family, his children. Now, you may know this story, but as David decided to play hooky from war and stay home at the palace, from high above his palace balcony, he looks down one night and he sees a married woman named Bathsheba taking a bath. Maybe if she had been taking a shower, we would have called her Shower Sheba. I don't know. But David saw her, and he desired her, and he starts to pursue her, pursue her, pursue her. And eventually, he succeeds, and he gets this married woman pregnant. And then David tries to cover up his sin by sending her husband, one of his bravest, most loyal heroes in his army named Uriah. He sends him to the front lines Without any support, he pulls all the support back and basically has Uriah murdered. And this sin eventually cost David and his family dearly, dearly. Why? Because he wasn't engaged, because he was focused on his kingdom instead of God's kingdom, and he abandoned his post. And then Nathan, a prophet of God, shows up to King David, and he tells him, he said, you might be the king but you have sinned against God and you must repent or you're going to be destroyed. Today, men, let me be the voice of Nathan for some of you. Some of you have abandoned your post, you're passive, or you're becoming abusive. And God wants you to reconnect and become consumed with his passion and his cause. David repented. In his heart of hearts, he was broken. And he said, God, I'm truly sorry. Please forgive me. God, I've sinned against you. And God forgave him. And the later part of King David's reign became greater than the earlier part of his reign. And God would rename him. God would call him a man after his own heart. Men, here's my commitment to you. I've got your back. But as men of God in this church, let's be in this battle together. Let's be heroes of God together on the front lines, defending truth, protecting our families, protecting those that we love, advancing the kingdom of God together. I challenge you to join me. You were created for greatness. You are a hero of God. Can we pray together this morning, church? heads bowed and eyes closed. As you're praying today, what I want to do is just just say, let's be hardcore honest as we examine our lives. Have you abandoned your post? 
Have you become passive in an area in your life that's important to God? Have you become angry and abusive in an area? You've noticed a change in your personality. Men, spiritually, are you leading your family? Are you engaged? Are you loving your wife the way Christ loves his church? Are you loving your kids? Are you building up your family with your words and your actions? Are you tearing them down? Are you protecting them? Emotionally, are you there? Physically, are you there? Spiritually, are you there? Women, are you building up your husband? Are you tearing him down? Are you enabling him in some area of his life where maybe you need to call him on it? Have you lost your faith in men? Are you a woman in here today and you think all men are jerks and dogs and losers? Release that anger. Father, I pray you do a work right now in the lives of your people that only you can do. God, I pray that you would do it in the lives of every man and every woman represented here today. God, forgive us of our sins. We come to you like David did. We wanna repent today. In our heart of hearts, God, we're sorry. Forgive us of our sins. Consume us with a passion for your cause. Overtake us. Help us to see your heart, God. Help us to reconnect with you. As King David prayed, Father, renew a right spirit within me. We love you, God. We pray that you ignite in our heart a fire and a passion for your kingdom and for your cause. As men and women, God, we want to be heroes for you in this world and in this age. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If there's an area of your life that you, you know that you need to surrender and you need to work on today, you know, as Chris said earlier, these, these altars are open. You can also pray right at your seat where you're at. If you're watching online, you can get right down on the side of your bed or by your couch and surrender that area to God. I want to give us the opportunity to respond as, as God is leading us to do so. For the rest of us, let's stand and let's sing and worship together. Sing with me. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here. I find my rest and without you I fall apart you're the one that guides my heart Lord I need Oh uh -huh. 
my songs arise to you. When temptation comes my way, when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and itself is a great prayer to close with and God has heard your heart if you sang that song with a sincere heart he has heard that that uh, desire of your heart and he will be with you let us close in a word of prayer gracious Lord we thank you we do need you and and we know that even as we utter those words that you are even now <laughs> helping us strengthening us going before us encouraging us transforming us by the power of your Holy Spirit deep within. So Lord, make us those courageous, passionate warriors that you want us to be, laying down our lives, um, being what each other needs, oh God, that encourager that lifts up with our words, with our actions. Give us the grace, the strength, and the will to go forward every day, living our lives that bring you glory and, and are so, so beneficial to each one around us. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week. <laughs>